you may know that I teach a weekly Parsha class here at ICAR in Los Angeles every Thursday at noon uh, Pacific time. You're welcome. Um, we've got folks joining us virtually from places as far away as Japan on, on Zoom. And uh, we've been archiving video edits of the classes on YouTube, but we thought we might try cutting down the one hour class to about 40 minutes for you, for the listeners of the Best Book Ever podcasts that might not be able to fit a midday class on a Thursday into your schedule. So I hope you enjoy listening to these as much as I enjoy teaching them. Um, if you're interested to attend the class from wherever you are in the world in person, then stick around at the end of the podcast. I'll tell you how to register. Um, just like the podcast, it's absolutely free and we'd love to have you. Okay, I know it's a, it's a little suspect, you know, starting with a, a Jesus song, but you know, it's it's the boss, it's Springsteen. Come on, we got we can we can we can take it, we can handle it, right? It's like you can't get rid of gospel. You just you can't, you know, you know. Everybody everybody has uh, has something to offer our um our uh, our spiritual uh, lives. Okay, uh, so um so here's what I'm trying to figure out, um, and I need your help. <laughs> I, I this year, I realized that um, that Rabban Gamliel uh, was really on to something. Um, Rabban Gamliel, one of the great sages of the um, of the of the of the of the of the Talmud um, and and the Mishnah. Um, has a famous, um, a famous saying. It's a saying. It's a teaching. Um, it's a reminder. It's Rabbi Gamliel's three things that we say on Passover. And as I start to say that, maybe it'll sound familiar because it's in the Haggadah. We read it every year. Um, Rabbi Gamliel. Um, appears sort of towards the end of the Magid section, the storytelling section of the Haggadah. And he, 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 he insists that he um, reminds us to say uh, three things, uh, to make note of three things. It almost sounds like to hold up and show three things. Um, and he says, if we don't do that, then we won't have fulfilled our obligation. But let's let's take a look for a second at what they are, um, and um, and I, I have to say I always I always saw this as kind of um, you know it's like a P.S. in the Haggadah. It doesn't feel very substantial. It just feels like listen if by now you haven't mentioned these three things. So let's take a look. This is actually in the Mishnah, the Mishnah, the first rabbinic code. So it's very early that he's saying these things, but then it gets uh, put into the Haggadah here. Here's the Haggadah, the table of contents for the Haggadah and uh, the Passover Seder that is. And, you know, we say blessings for the first few parts 
And then we go into the Magid section. We tell them the story. And there are famous parts of the Magid section, like the four questions or the four sons. Um, a lot of these, uh, you know, there's a lot in here. This is this is Passover. We're reading through this, the 10 plagues, Dayenu. And it's like <laughs> Dayenu, right? Like that's enough. That's it. <laughs> We, we're done at Dayenu, you would think. Uh, that's almost like the definition of Dayenu. It's like we've had enough. And then all of a sudden we get to Rabban Gamliel's three things. And you can see it's it's like once we get there, we're done. We'll have a, a second cup of wine soon. And Rabban Gamliel, so it just sort of seems like, oh, by the way, if anyone hasn't said these three things, they have not fulfilled their obligation. So now let's go back to the Mishnah and see where we get that. Rabban Gamliel would say, anyone who did not say these three matters on Passover has not fulfilled his obligation. Pesach, Pesach, which is the name of the holiday, but refers to the, pas the Passover lamb, the Paschal offering. Pesach, Matzah, and Maror. Okay? And then he explains them a little bit. We'll get into that. Um, but I just... I just always thought, like, okay, fine, Rabban Gamliel. You just, of course, we've 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 covered our obligations by now. But Rabban Gamliel wants to attach it to these three foods, and you know, okay, fine. So every Passover, we quickly read through his three foods. They're there on the table. We're going to make blessings over them soon, and then we move on. Um, but I think I under I I, I saw this year. Um, I saw some some deep <laughs> some deep understanding in Rabban Gamliel's um, triad here. There's something that Rabban Gamliel is teaching us about Passover that I think is fundamental, that I think is core. That these three objects actually speak to some like three three important reference points for processing all of the Exodus story. And the place that I understood that Raymond Gamliel um, was was on to something was here in this week's Parsha, Parsha B'Shalach. Parsha B'Shalach, okay? There, this week's Parsha is the Parsha with the crossing, crossing of the Red Sea and um, then onward into the desert. It's almost like we've left Egypt behind and yet you will see we're still dealing with the Egypt trauma in this Parsha. And Rabban Gamliel is going to help us deal with that trauma. I hope that's not too vague. Um, so we'll be using Rabban Gamliel's uh, formula here as we move forward. Um, so let's take a break now, and then we'll back up and 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 move into the parsha more slowly. Okay, let's say uh, let's say a blessing uh, over our Torah study, um, and try to get. Right, right. This, try to get to some, this is like the joy of of Torah study, something you've been looking at for your whole life and all of a sudden cracks open for you. And I would say it's not all the way open. I need your help. I need to I still need to figure out exactly what Ravan Gamliel is trying to teach us here. So let's say a blessing and hope for some of that um, that learning. Um, OK. Baruch atah Adonai Eloheinu melech haolam asher kichanu b'mitzvot ha'vetzivanu la'asok b'divrei Torah. Okay, so um, here's 
let's 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 move just a little bit uh, 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 more slowly and 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 go through Reverend Gamaliel's teaching again, and then you're gonna and then I I hope you'll see how Reverend Gamaliel is actually giving us something that will help guide us through this week's parsha. So Reverend Gamaliel has these three things: the lamb, the matzah, and the bitter herbs, and you got to say those three things. You got to mention those, those three, three things. Really, it seems like you, what you have to do is you have to explain those three things. Um, I just put a, a link in the chat to the source sheet if you want it. But here we're going to go back to the source sheet. Okay. And um, Rabbi Gamliel, all, what he says is now this is a little complicated because the Mishnah has different uh, versions. And I will try to point out. Uh, the original uh, versions and what's been added later. Okay, so actually I'll bold it so you see. This is the original. Ravan Gamliel would say, anyone who did not say these three matters on Passover has not fulfilled uh, his obligation. Pesach, Matzah, and Maror. Okay, why Pesach? Why do you have to talk about the Paschal Lamb? Because the omnipresent, a word for God, God passed over the houses of our forefathers in Egypt, of our ancestors in Egypt. Okay. So uh, that's in the original. And then uh, over the years, people have inserted, and in the Haggadah, you will find an insertion, just an explanation of what he's talking about. So in last week's Parsha, in Parsha Bo, um, we were given the, the, the instructions to take a lamb and sacrifice it and eat from it. Um, they were given those instructions even on that first Passover night. And um, the idea was that we were supposed to do this um, throughout the generations. And the reason that we do that is because it says, um, it is the sacrifice of the Lord's Paschal offering for God passed over the houses of the children in, in Israel, in Egypt. So the verb um, pasach, passed over um, becomes the name of the, the Paschal offering, the Passover offering. It's it's the same in English as it is in Hebrew. It's just a, a, you take the verb and you map it onto the lamb. Okay, that does seem important. That is the reason that we have Passover is because God spared us. That's the reason that Passover is called Passover, although it's not called Passover in the Torah. It's always called the festival of, of, of matzah. Um, but okay, um, that's Passover. And then uh, there are the other two items. And the other two items are matzah. And all that all that Rabban Gamliel says is matzah because our forefathers were redeemed for, from Egypt. You can see over here in the in the Hebrew, but the Haggadah adds, as it is stated, and they baked the dough that they took out of Egypt as cakes of matzah, for it was not leavened as they were thrust out of Egypt and could not tarry. So that we probably know. Why do we have matzah? Because we had to rush out of Egypt. There wasn't time to bake bread. Okay. Pa the lamb, because God passed over the houses. And, you know, that implies also that we put the lamb's blood on the door. We're evoking that moment. The matzah evokes the moment of leaving Egypt because we were rushing out of Egypt. And finally, what is the maror for? Well, that's almost too obvious because maror is bitter herbs. The reason for the bitter herbs is because the Egyptians embittered our forefathers' lives in Egypt. 
And it actually says that in the Torah, and they embittered their lives with they embittered their lives with hard service in mortar and in brick and all manner of, uh, of service in the field. All the service that they made them serve was with uh, rigor. Okay, so these are the three touch points. The, the lamb, because God passed over our houses in Egypt, the uh, matzah, because we rushed out, and then the, the, the maror, because... Um, uh, because our lives were bitter in Egypt. The, those are three very different... What, part of what we're going to try to do here now is fit these together. Why are these the three key components? The bitterness, the leaving, and... Oh, sorry, no. The bitterness, the passing over, and then the leaving. The, this seems to be an, an, a, a, um, a triaxial <laughs> um, uh, a formula here. And Rabban Gamliel then goes on and says, um, now this actually is, this is famous. In each generation, a person must view himself as though he personally left Egypt. That's, but that's a later addition. And then there's like a bunch of praise and therefore we are obligated. The, the rest of the mission is not so important for our purposes today. Just, I just want you to know those touch points. And I want to, um, before I pause a little for reflection, I want to just remind you where Rabban Gamliel is getting this. He didn't just make this up. These three items were eaten together on the night of the Exodus. They shall eat the flesh, habasar, the meat, that same night. And they shall eat it. I'm actually going to change this because I think I use the word meat later. We're going to see the word meat come up. They shall eat the meat that same night. They shall eat it roasted over the fire with matzot. Matzot, unleavened bread, it's translated here, but really matzot. Matzot with matzah and with bitter herbs or maror. Okay? Now, let's just pause for a second because this is this in itself is interesting and it will help us uh, as, as a contrast point for everything else we're going to explore. This is last week's Parsha. This is during the Exodus. And during the Exodus, we find Rabban Gamliel, um, we find, not Rabban Gamliel, the Torah um, uh, commands that the children of Israel eat these foods all together. Now, Rabban Gamliel comes along and says, those three foods are the key to understanding the Exodus. So let's just pause for a second and um, maybe you've, you've, you've seen this before perhaps, maybe, or maybe now you just look and you think, oh, well, passing over the houses, the bitterness, the, the, the Exodus from Egypt and the bitterness in Egypt, in, in Egypt this makes sense to me. This, these three are the three because... Because what? what? Do anyone, does this make sense to anyone yet? Noah, Noah is always like our first, uh, first shooter well, here. Well, I, I can't say it makes sense. It's starting to slowly make sense along with the teaching we had from last week from you about that weird verb, uh, Mameya, that mm -hmm. along with that, compared to Pesach, Matzah, and Maror, that they're, they're, I'm seeing it now as the different stages 
and they're leaving. That in the pace off, they're starting to eat a food that they'll be eating over and over, a meat that's maybe a symbol of freedom because I'm sure the wealthy in Egypt always ate meat and some much better foods rather than radish and crackers and whatnot. The matzah that ties directly into the mamea that they had to leave in haste and they couldn't really carry. And mm -hmm. the maro are one because they're leaving and the bitterness of leaving the comfort that they had and in going to something new. Okay, okay, good. So, so Noah um, does uh, the intuitive thing here, which is to try to create a, a kind of progression. I was doing it myself, a kind of chronology. Oh, okay, I guess it starts with the bitterness in of life in Egypt. And then crisis point is God comes to, you know, wreak havoc and spares uh, spares the Israelites. So it seems like we're going to make it. And then we do, we make it out. So then it goes, so it goes, um, uh, bitterness, uh, Passover, the lamb, and then the rush of the exodus. And there's some sort of, there's a storyline there, but I don't know, still, wh why these three things? And, and I want to say, um, as as we continue to, to to probe that question, if you look at the verse in the Torah, it's true that you eat all three of them together. But what's most important? What's most important? What is the what is the central act here? It's the it's the it's the 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 Paschal offering, the sacrifice, and the fact that they eat it with matzot and maror almost seems incidental. It almost seems like just the toppings on your sandwich, right? Like, just flavor it up a little bit. Like, th these symbols, and it, they're not explained in the Torah. The Torah doesn't say, maror, because they embittered your life. Rabbi Gamliel makes that connection, right? Matzah, we haven't explained yet why they will, matzah will be the bread of haste, okay? But, like, the point is the, you eat the lamb, because the lamb is the very thing that will that will deliver you. That's we start to call the, the holiday after the lamb. The lamb is central. Now, of course, the strangest thing about this point that I'm making is that now we don't eat the lamb at all, right? Because we don't have a temple and we don't make sacrifices. So now the matzah and the maror have come to take um the 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 pride of 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 a position, but uh, in the Torah, it's definitely the lamb. So it's funny to, to accentuate those other items and to say, oh, these are the items. Now, as I say that, I can hear myself answering, well, what matzah becomes the most central item? Okay, that's true. Matzah becomes another crucial way, way of thinking about Passover. But maror is still a little curious. That's nowhere in our story does it seem like maror is cr a crucial part of the understanding of Passover until Rabban Gamliel comes along and says, because they embittered your lives. Don't you get why you were, you're were you told to eat maror? And it's like, oh, maybe you're right. That, 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 that sounds right, but it wasn't explicit, okay? So let's just take a few more thoughts on processing what it is that's going on here in this in this triad and in the sandwiching of this, literal sandwiching of this triad. Um, let's hear from Yonatan. 
Reb, I'm so grateful to you for bringing up this question because every year, like, yeah, I mechanically read over Pesach, Matzah, and Maror, and like, I've been to enough of your classes now that I feel like I'm starting to think about these things in the way that you're trying to train us to think about them. Um, and I think you can parse this like a million different ways. But what's coming to my mind right now, you asked, why are these three things essential to understanding the Exodus, right? So like, why did we come out of Egypt? We came out of Egypt to worship God in the desert, right? Like explicitly. Um, and, and when you look at these three food items and what they represent, um, the Paschal sacrifice had to be eaten communally. Right. If your family was not big enough to really eat it communally, Parshat Bo tells us you brought over your neighbors and you all ate it together. Matzah, I think, represents humility. Um, we know that the Israelites actually did have time for their bread to rise. They got enough notice to bake bread. And yet they still had to eat matzah to accommodate the Erezrav that came with them, the mixed multitude. Um, and it represents like humbling ourselves, bringing ourselves down to a, a simpler like level. Maror, I think, represents empathy. Empathy with pain and, and experiencing pain in a way that's actually safe to experience pain um, rather than some kind of like self-harm. Um, and I think what we're saying is like when you when you do a mitzvah, when you go and like try to commune with God in this way, you need these these three things. You need humility, <clears throat> or you need community, you need humility, and you need empathy to for that to be successful. Okay, beautiful. Uh, so that's uh, first of all, it's a beautiful drasha, meaning like that that's the sort of that's Passover Torah right there, and that's the, that is the sort of. Um, symbolic mapping that uh, we do when we come to the Haggadah and try to make meaning of all of the language and the symbols in front of us. And Rabbi Gamiel gives us some connections. Yonatan builds on those and tries uh, to, to identify kind of the what is the core value or virtue in each of these experiences. So that's, that is, that's another excellent way of thinking about this triad, what it's doing here. And I want to pick up on um, the last thing that Yonatan said, that the maror is about empathy, a, a, a sense of, of being able to, to internalize, to, to, to feel the experience of our ancestors. Because after all, remember um, what the Mishnah goes on to say, every person must see themselves as if they left Egypt, right? As if they personally left Egypt. And one of the ways that we do that is we eat bitterness so that we can feel a little of the bitterness. I'm saying a very obvious thing here. It's not, this is not a, but, um, but maybe all of the foods that we ingest are meant to internalize a certain kind of experience. So you could feel like as the matzah goes down your throat, the, the rush of having to crunch through a, a hasty cracker meal, right? So, and so it is when we eat the Passover lamb, we feel, we, we in, internalize, we, di we literally digest the feeling of salvation. So maybe what Rabbi Gamaliel is saying is, um, is that it's, it's, it's these virtues or these moments or these experiences, these touch points, but it's food that, that takes us into the empathetic relationship with the Passover story. And that's the one where, we're really trying to get to so that we feel as if we have left Egypt. Okay, 
I see a lot of hands up and I will come back to them, but I want to get somewhere into this week's Parsha a little bit before um, before we run out of too much time. And so I want to just, I want to just, uh, uh, the Rabban Gamliel, we could stay on forever. We could come up with lots of different um, triadic readings of, of Rabban Gamliel. But what I noticed this year um, was, and I think I started to notice it on Passover, and now I've been thinking about it um, since. But what I noticed this year is that Parshat B'Shalach has the actual, like, post-Exodus fleeing, and then the crossing of the Red Sea, fine. And we actually, the crossing of the Red Sea is really the big deal in Parsha B'Shalach. We refer to the Shabbat of Parsha B'Shalach as Shabbat Shira, the, the Sabbath of song, because of the song of the sea. So this is like, this is the big, this is the big event, the main event in Parsha B'Shalach. But after the main event, after the crossing of the, of the, of the Red Sea, Suddenly, the Israelites uh, are begin their wandering through the desert, and they 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 wouldn't you know it? They encounter these foods, these food items again, all three of them, but in slightly different form. Okay, so if you trust me, I want to take you on a little bit of a tour of this week's parsha through the prism of Pesach, Matzah, and Maror. And I hope that you will, as I did, feel sort of astonished, uh, a sense of wonder at seeing Rabban Gamliel's triad appear here as well. So uh, let's just take a look at what I'm talking about, and then we'll try to figure out what's going on here uh, in this um, in this re-articulation, I might even say transformation, I might even say transubstantiation, <laughs> since we began with uh, Christian thought, transubstantiation uh, of these of these food items. Okay, let's take a look here. The very first thing that happens, the very, very first thing that happens after the song at the sea, like here, I'll prove it to you, is here's the song of the, the sea, Miriam finishes out the song of the sea, and then the very next thing that happens is that the people wander into the, they set out from the sea and they wander into the wilderness and, or the desert, and they traveled three days in the desert and they found no water. Okay, now just look at the language here of the place, but don't worry, you won't need to figure it out because the Torah actually names it for you. They came to Mara, Mara. Now, if you were really keen, you would remember Maror and think, hey, Ma Mara, bitterness again. What's is it, Does this mean bitterness? Does the place, but maybe like me, you would just read it and not notice. Mara sounds like a nice name. So they came to Mara, but they couldn't drink the water of Mara because it was bitter. Oh, wait a minute. That's why it was named Mara. Oh, Mara means bitter because the waters there are bitter. Okay. Now take a look at this word here. Marorim, bitter, bitter herbs, and this word here, bitters. Okay, if that isn't a kind of a hint, a clue, a callback, I don't know what is, but it's not like uh, you. It's not like just a one-word callback. You've got four in one verse. You've got four mentions of bitter, 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 bitter. 
And then what happens? The people grumble against Moses and they say, what shall we drink? So he cried out to God and God showed him a piece of wood and he threw it into the water. And the water became sweet. Okay, okay. Now, here we, here we begin. We're going to see, we're going to do this two more times. But here's, this is exact. this is what I'm talking about. We have Rabban Gamliel's three things that you need to know about Passover. They aren't, it isn't just Rabban Gamliel's um, little uh, Devar Torah. Um, it's embedded in the language of a verse in last week's Parsha where these three things are eaten together. That, it seems God wanted for us to have these three items in our mouths. And then the people cross over. They, they like literally cross over. Now everything has changed, but they encounter bitterness again. Encounter bitterness again. Isn't bitterness Egypt? Why is it the first thing they encounter as they head out of Egypt is bitterness, but they complain to Moses. Moses cries out to God and God sweetens the water. Now they have sweet water. Okay. Anybody want to try to like deal with this? I I I I I I will soon move on to think about um, matzah and and land and pat and 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 pesach. But anyone want to deal with this dilemma here? Um, this dilemma of like the bitters of Egypt were remem a, 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 rem a remembrance of of our bitter bitter. Uh, um, sorry, I'm not saying this well. The bitter herbs are in memory of the bitterness of our lives in Egypt. But we leave Egypt and the first thing we encounter is bitterness, but it's okay because God sweetens it. So that, like, maybe there's an obvious lesson in there or maybe there's a deeper lesson in there. I'm not sure. Can someone try to articulate it for me? So I see Jen's hand just went up and then I'll call him Matt. Um, sort of two uh, phrases that I've learned in my training come to mind. And one is um, misery is the path out of hell. Um, meaning if you want to get out of a place where you're stuck in suffering, it's not, it's not good times. It's not fun times. It's usually a lot of work and it's a lot of pain. And sometimes it's actually reflecting on pain that you've not been reflecting on for a mm -hmm. long time. Uh, so they get out of a place where there was so much pain that they could not reflect on. And now that pain is coming up into their conscious experience. Mm -hmm. um, and the other phrase that I think of is that pain is only suffering when it has no meaning, right? If you are experiencing bitterness because you've been enslaved and there's no movement forward, you are stuck, right? That bitterness is suffering. But if you experience bitterness when you're on the path to liberation, that bitterness is experienced differently because it has meaning. Good, good, okay. I just, I'll try to just briefly, I, I want to note, I'm noting these for myself. I, Jen said it w well enough, but just for myself, I want to just note these two points because I think they're, they're both important. One, one is that it isn't over. <laughs> it's not over. They, they have left Egypt, but they, they had a whole experience, hundreds of years, they had trauma and you don't just drop that. And so they are still processing and still encountering the bitterness of Egypt has not been purged entirely. And okay, so um, um, that that's one thing to just note that this is this is a callback to something that is 
um, being left behind, not, but, but clearly not fully being left behind. And then the other thing is that um, there is, though, it isn't just unmitigated bitterness, more bitterness, unceasing bitterness, just suffering forever. There is an attempt to deal with this. Now, I don't know if it's a sophisticated to just complain, but they're getting some, in, some indication here that this bitterness can be worked through, can be processed, can be dealt with, can be... Um, yeah, can be can be can be transformed. Okay, all right. Uh, let's uh, let's let's explore a little further, Emily. Yeah, the the comment I wanted to make has to do with the bitterness, um, and in relation to the the story of when the Israelites cross the sea and then they're chastised by God not to celebrate so much because all these Egyptians died. So I've always thought of this bitterness as the, what we carry around what we do to others, how we oppress others, and that we have to, you know, transform that into not oppressing others. And so I've, I've been struggling a little bit with how that fits with the Marar and the Matzah, but to me, it seems that if, if these resources come from God, from heaven, then also so does the resource for changing ourselves so that we don't oppress others. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, the, your comment feels to me like uh, like a, a direct commentary on Jen's comment earlier, right? That the the, the bitterness continues. That it, there's a continued need to process it. That the trauma lingers, but um, the 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 way you put it, Emily, it's it's like yeah, and and so the question becomes, you know, how is it? that how is it that you go you go through such a a terrible experience and and not just carry bitterness around with you for the rest of your life and spit bitterness to you know to to anyone you encounter how will you not be an embittered person that's hard that's hard i mean what they're to, what they what they dealt with was not the kind of the, the, the beyond the kind of struggles that i that i deal with but it isn't just looking to God for transformation and sustenance. It's like, can God transform us? Can God, and I think that's an open question, you know, can God make us, can God sweeten our experience of the world and of ourselves when we have suffered so much? And that's, yeah, that's, that's part of the, so we can empathize, as as um, as Yonatan say, said, by ingesting the maror, but you know, can 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 we also tap into the to the liberation, to the transformation, to the sweetening, to the yeah? There's there are real questions here about what what it is that we're carrying around and what it will take to let it go, right? Those are really, those are really, really good questions. Um, okay, um, time for a couple more folks. Richard. Yes, uh, maybe in the same vein, I wanted to point out that in verse 23, where they encounter the bitter water, there's an interesting ambiguity where it says they couldn't drink it because it was bitter. Kimarim haim. And the haim is ambiguous as to whether the waters were bitter or they were bitter. Mm. And mm. I think the whole notion 
Mm. That they're carrying the bitterness and the agency that we have to take these symbols, which are symbols of torture and pain and have the resilience to flip them, like flipping over the matzah to the you know bread of freedom. And so I watching that happen in real time as these symbols are re-encountered and transmogrified really seems powerful to me. That is powerful. I mean, that's just a great, great uh, dr- uh, drush there. Look at this. This is good. This is a very this is a very keen reading that Richard offers us here. Um, they they couldn't drink the waters of Mara because Marimham. Because it was bitter. The water's waters um, in Hebrew is plural, ma'im. And so the waters, they were bitter. But so let's let's make this clear in the English because they were bitter. But that, Richard says, could be that the, the people were, were bitter. And that's just a very powerful way to think of it. That's it's everything was bitter to them. That they couldn't. They their experience of the world was bitterness. And so they were everything they tasted was bitter. They couldn't break out of that. It was it was their perception that had to be um their experience of the world that had to be transformed. That's a that is a beautiful, beautiful reading there. Very and very and not 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 wild, very rooted in the in the words of the text. So that's 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 really nice. Um okay, uh Leah Matsui. New boss, new rules. They're actually surrounded by meat because they crossed over with lots of livestock. It's on the hoof. Have a barbecue. What's the problem? So I think they're working actually, yes, they're complaining terribly, awful, hard-headed, very ungrateful. And yet they're struggling with choice, maturity, and a new kind of responsibility. The last meat we eat in slavery is commanded by Hashem for us to eat. And until Hashem says, go ahead, kill another lamb, we are inundated with lambs. I think they even are, were told there are even camels that crossed over anachronistically. We don't touch them. So we are showing some kind of self-control. We're struggling with it. Although we're complaining a lot mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah yeah that's interesting that is really interesting there is this way and so they left egypt and they had they had they left they were told that they left with livestock why do they always complain about meat that's a good question and the meat yeah i must say in our analysis so far the meat is a bit of an outlier because we really had a strong callback to the bitterness. Uh, uh, you know, we get to that. That's that's not a coincidence when you have, when you get to a place and it says bitter, 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 bitter after you've just left bitterness. So that's like a, that feels like a, and there's what bitter waters, there's like a substance of bitterness. It's like, feels like a direct callback. The bread from heaven also feels like, oh, matzah was the special bread, but now there's a new special bread and it's a totally different kind of experience. Okay, so quail comes down, but it, it sort of it mentioned very quickly in passing. Has there really been a transformation? Am I just shoving this in the the meat? And Leah's question makes it even stronger. Wasn't it, wasn't wasn't there other kinds? Of, what is it to be learned here from the experience of the of the quail? Now, I must say, 
the quail, the real drama of the quail comes later. So just as we round out, I think, I think because I, I do think that the Mara and the Matzah are kind of more direct parallels there. I want to just make the case for the quail being that third item, the, the, their sort of relationship to meat itself is also something that they will continue to struggle with for the rest of the for, uh, for the rest of this journey. And um, and so let's just take a look for one second at another episode uh, as after they they they've left Mount Sinai are wandering into the desert. Let's see here. Do do. do. This is uh, this is in the book of Numbers, much later on. The riffraff, great great translation of a great word, ha'asafsuf. The riffraff in their midst felt a gluttonous craving, and when the Israelites wept and said, "If only we had meat to eat," we remember the fish that we used to eat free in Egypt: the cucumbers, the melons, the leeks, the onions, and the garlic. And now our gullets are shriveled. There's nothing at all, nothing but this mana to look to. So this is like a, it's another classic moment of the Israelites sort of crying out and complaining and, um, but there's an irony and because they, they, they say they have mana, but they're tired of mana. They don't want mana. What they want is meat. Now, what are we supposed to think of that? God is raining down bread from heaven on the one hand, be grateful. On the other hand, same thing every day. So what are we supposed to think? I don't know, but. It, it's always a little uneasy when they're saying, we'd like to go back to Egypt. We'd like to, what, like, could you really, is this really what you want? You really want to go back to slavery? So look at how God responds here. We have just enough time to see this before we close. So God says, say to the people, sanctify yourselves and you shall eat meat. For you have kept whining before God and said, if only we had meat to eat, meat to eat. Indeed, we were better off in Egypt. Well, God will give you meat and you shall eat. You shall eat not one day, not two, not even five days or 10 or 20, but a whole month until it comes out of your nostrils. And becomes loathsome to you, for you have rejected God who is among you by whining before God and saying, oh, why did we ever leave Egypt? And then the quail come back. A wind from God started up, swept quail from the sea and strewed them over the camp about a day's journey on the side and about a day's journey on that side all around the camp some two cubits deep on the ground, and the people set to gathering quail all that day and night, and all the next day, even the one who gathered the least had 10 homers, um, and they spared them, all, uh, they spread them out all around the camp. That's a weird detail. And then I just, like, this is a very, a very scary closing. The meat was still between their teeth, not yet chewed, when the anger of God blazed forth against the people and struck the people with a very severe plague. And the place was named Kivrota Tava, that is the graves of craving, because the people who had the craving were buried there. Now, that is not, that's not a fun place to end our discussion. That's not a fun place to end this story. We've been seeing water, water made sweet. We see bread come down from the heavens. But there's something uneasy about this dependency, this. On the one hand, Ariella was exactly right. We should be looking to God. And on the other hand, there's some other version of looking to God that is going to that is going to be problematic, which is just, we want this, we want more, we want that. The, there's a kind of, we want to be treated in this strange way, the way our, we were treated in Egypt, where we, we, we had no agency and we 
and but we were given we were sustained by our masters and that god seems to be unhappy with okay so there's too much here to 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 like wrap this up there's too much going on here and i would say that each one of these cases in fact i should give you my devar torah from this week um if you want to read more about like the the various trials and tests that they go through in this week's parsha each one is distinct and the lesson of the mana is not exactly the lesson of the quail is not exactly the lesson of the bitter waters but Rabban Gamliel is 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 definitely on to something. Rabban Gamliel is right to say we really have to keep an eye on these three items because they will um, mark for us three signal points in the in the in the tracking of the of the transformation of the children of Israel into an independent people, which is going to take. 40 years. And um, and in the meantime, they have to learn to trust God. So these are these are some of the basic themes, but the the way that these themes get filtered through these three items, Pesach, Matzah, and Maror, makes it uh makes it a, a remarkable thing when we when we realize that Rabban Gamliel po- pointed that out, and that Rabban Gamliel pointed that out because the Torah even as they were leaving Egypt, was already signaling these three items. And the Torah was already saying, eat these three items because somehow this experience of eating the Pesach, Matzah, and Maror, this will be an experience that you will come back to again and again and again and be kind of transforming, reflecting on, reprocessing, relearning. And um, so uh, so we won't wrap this all up in a, in a bow, but I, 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 think we've, I think we've gotten somewhere. Some, we've gotten a little bit deeper and maybe... Uh, Maybe this Passover um, will have will will it'll it'll all finally click into place. Um, wishing you a Shabbat Shalom and a good rest of your week. Bye everyone. Okay, that's it. A taste of our weekly Parsha class. Uh, I want to thank everyone who came to the class. Some of whose voices you may have heard today. Uh, some you didn't because the podcast has been edited. So just want to thank everybody. Um, and speaking of editing, I want to thank also our uh, editor, Vera Blossom, for her great work. If you'd like to join our class sometime and come and, and join our, our circle of, of Torah geeks, you can find us, uh, again, Thursdays, 12 p.m. online at ikar.org. That's I-K-A-R.org. And, uh, and if you go to the calendar, uh, then you can find a Zoom link and just click in. And um, and in the section uh, on the website uh, that that uh, we keep our classes, you can if you click on Parsha Study, you'll find all of our archive classes and source sheets and everything we discuss there. So, if you're looking for a regular Parsha class, I'd love to see you. Um, and uh, and in the meantime, I will talk to you next week. <laughs>